This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 522, and the quote of the day is, don't limit yourself. Many people limit themselves to what they think they can do, but you can go as far as your mind lets you. What you believe, remember, you can achieve. Listening to the Drummers Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond and beyond and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 522, and I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're listening to this, and we've got a great episode with my man, Scott Pellegrom. I've had Scott on the podcast before, and I wanted to have him back because, for one, because I love him and I think he's an amazing human being and an amazing drummer, but uh, also because he recently had an injury and he could have let that injury really drag him down, but he actually turned it into a triumph and learned a lot from it, grew from it, and we talk about all that. And also he has a clinic coming up at PASIC in November, and we talk about how that whole entire process works as well. So some really insightful information, and I love the way that he approached this injury, and then it's a definitely a blueprint for how if you're over trying to overcome something or maybe you've had a setback or an injury or something like that uh how you can how you yourself can overcome that and apply it to whatever you have going on in your life so very valuable lesson here from my man scott and i'm not going to waste any more time so let's get into it with scott pellegrone scott what's happening buddy hey what's going on nick not much, man. Thanks so thanks so much for for being back on the show. And we were just we were having having like a really good conversation. And I was like, uh, he probably doesn't know that I'm not recording this. <laughs> Story it's better than life. the Stanton. It's the better than the Stanton Moore interview. That luckily we're friends, and he forgave me. But we, I uh, we did this whole entire interview, and then the it didn't record. So, oh no! Or uh, let me rephrase that. It was user error. I didn't record it. I thought like we were. I got this new like field recorder thing, and we're sitting backstage. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking. It's blinking. I'm like, yeah, it's recording. Great, this is perfect. And uh, blinking means that it's not recording. So, <laughs> but we're recording well, now. So that's how um, you learn. <laughs> that is how you learn. You only make that mistake once. Uh, so. There's so many things. There's so many things I want to touch on. Um, you've already been on the podcast before, so we have your we have your your whole life story uh, well documented, and uh, <laughs> it's in it's in the Library of Congress now. So that's we don't have to worry about that. But uh, there's there's a lot of stuff you had you had an injury, a pretty severe, a really severe injury that could have really derailed you, which you rebounded from, which I definitely want to talk about. I know that you have a clinic coming up at PASIC, which I want to talk about as well. I want to talk about preparation and 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 all that sort of stuff so tell i and i hate to do this to you but tell me the story again of first of all how you got your injury and then i want to talk about the that journey of recovery because i think it's an it's a very important lesson yeah well um it's one of those things where it's bound to happen at some point in time you know like uh i'm 37 going on 38 and up until this past march i hadn't sprang or broke or fractured anything um which is surprising because i've done a lot of a lot of dumb things in my life <laughs> Me too. you know you can and have never broken a bone in my body so when you're right. like it's inevitable i'm like 
Don't say I'm that. <laughs> I'm invincible, right? I don't think I'm invincible, but I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just, I just don't, I don't want to break a bone. So. Right. Um, but yeah, long, long story short, it's, it was kind of a, a combination of a few things. Like uh, my dog Pegasus is usually with me um, when I'm doing sessions or teaching, practicing, stuff like that. But I was working with a new producer who um, actually has a studio here in Grand Haven, but he also has a studio in London and his career is based out of London. He's a lovely human being. And I finally got a call from him to do a session uh, for like a BBC documentary. And nice. it's, it was about doing a lot of weird soundscapes. So it was like right up my alley. Um, so long story short, I thought, hey. Did you bring I'll, the chicken? Right? I had everything. <laughs> it was like, bring everything you have. So I literally had the chicken to a rubber duck to, you know, anything. It was, it was a really fun session. I wish I would have actually uh, just threw up a GoPro because we were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and it turned out really cool. I'm not sure when it's released, so I'll let you know when it is. But um, I get to say that I, I get to sound like science and sound like clocks and stuff like that. And I did it nice. all with, with, with drums, you know. Um, so anyways, I thought, hey, I haven't worked with this producer before. I want to do a really good job. And um, my mom just got a new puppy. So I thought, hey, I'll drop Pegasus off at my mom so we can hang out with Grandma P. And hang out with Zumi, and then when I'm done with the session, I'll go scoop them up, and then we were going to go on a hike. Ended up doing like an eight-hour session. It was a killer session. I had a lot of fun, and zipped over to grab Pegasus, you know, ran in, got him, and uh, said goodbye to my mom and her puppy. And as I was getting into the Sprinter van, my mom opened her back door just to say something to me. And at that moment, while I still had Pegasus in my left arm, uh, Zumi shot out. Uh, shot out of the house and it was her first escape and she's you know five or six months old so fast and (laughs) (laughs) very very like a bullet (laughs) and my family we are huge animal lovers like our dogs have stockings you know above the fireplace for christmas like they're above us in our family so we love i get it i get it if a, if a family pet passes away, we mourn for like months, you know, man, I just, uh, we just lost our, our cat of 13 years, not too long I'm ago. Sorry. And it was brutal. It's still brutal. Like I still, I still miss him dearly. So I get it. I get it. That's, that's my wife already knows that like the day pack Pegasus passes that I'm probably going to like just check out for a couple months <laughs> and right. live in a, right. live in a cabin, you know, meditate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do yoga, find a way to, to gain happiness again. So I'll see you at Nam. You'll you'll have a beer down to your knees. I have a beer down to my <laughs> knees. Yep, exactly. Um, but so so Zumi shot out, and it was a rainy night. Um, my mom lives in like a busy subdivision, and then mm-hmm. like the there's a very very busy main road, um, Leonard Road. Uh, it's about the time everyone's getting out of school. Cars are flying by. Zumi shoots out to the road. So I run after her with Pegasus in my arm and I try to catch her. I can't, but I get her out of the road and I get her kind of running back up to the house and she runs up close to my mom. My mom goes to grab her, misses her. And then Zumi turns around and starts beelining it towards the, the busy road. And I was on this little hill, a little slope. And I did this goaltender move and like kind of dashed to the right to get her. And right when I did that, all my weight went on my ankle. My ankle slipped under me and my leg slipped up the hill. And it just, it cracked, man. It was like fireworks. You could hear like five <sighs> breaks at once. Just wah, 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 super loud. And <sighs> my mom heard it and she mainly like ran out of the house. Like, what happened? 
she thought I broke my arm. And uh, I told her, I'm like, I got Zoomy, and I think I broke my leg or something. I don't know what. Um, but as I was telling you earlier, like in the story, it was when I was telling you this before we started recording, I guess, is that it was one of those moments, you know, because it's, it's one of the scariest things, I think, for anyone, especially for us being drummers. Like we need or, you know, if we have our four limbs and we start playing drums with four limbs, you are very dependent on those four limbs. Mm-hmm. And I devoted not only my life to playing music and playing music as a living and taking every sacrifice possible, but I cut out a lot of physical activities in my life uh, where I could, you know, sprain an ankle or, or break a finger and stuff. Um, and here I am in the moment saving a puppy from getting hit by a car and I totally just wrecked myself. And as I was saying earlier, I, I had this moment. It was like a Zen moment where before this happened, I thought, man, if I broke my leg, that could be like the end of my career. That could just put me out for months or a year or I'll never get better again. I'll lose, I'll right. lose my talent, my work that I put into it. And when this break happened, like I, it was like a flash of light hit over me. And it said, all right, dude, you, you broke yourself odds are you're going to have to get surgery. You're going to be out for a while. You've got a ton of gigs and clinics and sessions coming up. Right. This is what you're going to do. One, you're going to remain positive and stay happy and be thankful that you're alive. Two, you're going to get your stuff together and you're going to immediately switch around and start learning how to play left-handed or come up with a hybrid kit and you're going to play all these gigs. And then I came to and my brother was helping me get up and I was on my way to the ER. And Oh, so you passed out or something? I like, no, it was just kind of like out of that moment, you know, I was like, right. whoa, okay, it's game time. And it was so, like, so I'm, this is, this is really fascinating to me though. Cause like most people go right to the negative, right. And they're like, I'm screwed. I'm never going to be able to play again, whatever. But so the, the positive mindset that you had, is that something that you've always had? Or do you think that that's something that you've developed over time? It's not something that I've always had. It's something that I've always wanted. And I think a lot of us need, um, but it's something that I definitely have worked on throughout my life. You know, like life is not easy. Like right. life just isn't easy. It isn't predictable. Anything can happen. You know, you can, right. but is this something that you like, yourself. <laughs> I would like <laughs> to point out that you did save the dog, which is yeah, amazing. Did save the dog. Yeah. Um, but is it something that you worked on developing or is it, was it just like a Completely. natural progression? Yeah. Can we it, talk it, about it was, that? Because I think that two things. Yeah, for sure. Because I think this is such an important thing. One, because we, the industry that we're in is whether people want to say it is or not, it's competitive. Right. Or like when I say competitive, I mean like there's a lot of comparison to other people and all comparison. this other stuff, which like I don't agree with, but it's the case and it's easy for us to like, it's easy for us to go into the negative instead of staying positive. So how did you sort of develop those, those skill sets? Well, like early on when I was young, like being a young teenager, I don't know for, for, for you or for a lot of people, but it's awkward. You know, you're dealing with hormones, acne to people like you, people don't like you, you know, and, and you're up and down trying to figure out who you are as a person. You're starting to come into your own, you know, and, um, when I was young, I would go in and out of like anxiety and depression and and being introverted to being like real social. And some of the things that helped me start getting a grasp on life on like, why are things happening or, or how can I deal with things I've done wrong or things that are maybe done wrong to me 
is that I started, um, I got introduced to like Taoism, Zen and Buddhism all around the same time. So I started reading a lot of stuff like that. And, uh, cause I never came from like a, I wasn't raised going to church or raised with a certain religion or belief. It was kind of, you know, um, my parents are more like work your butt off, be a really good person, take care of people, take people in. That was kind of the upbringing that I had, but there mm-hmm. was no like religion or spirituality necessarily behind it. So I started to find it on my own of not necessarily like religion or spirituality, but, um, mindset, like the power of believing Mm-hmm. you know, is, is very strong. And if you choose to, to believe, to be positive, to react positive, to see, you know, the beauty in, in, in the negative things, like it can change your life or it's not like you're going to turn around and be super happy, but you're going to be like, you know what, this wasn't cool, but these things right. did happen. You know, like I broke myself super bad, but I'm alive. I have great friends and family. I have a career, you know, um, there was going to be at least someone around to check in to make sure that I'm okay. That's right. an amazing situation to be in because people may not have that. Someone else could wreck themselves and not have friends or family around, you know, right. not have health insurance um, and things like that. So I, I really worked on being positive because especially in the music business, music scene, it is competitive. Uh, and it's not just competition, but there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of judgments, you know, like mm-hmm. people like videos I have, people would be like, oh, this guy's dumb because he's wearing sandals. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> like out of everything, that's that's what you got to hate on is like because I wear sandals or have a headband on. Like, come on. Right. You know, right. Um, so you just have to have thick skin, whether it's good criticism or bad criticism, you know, and it's like if there's anything that you want to do and you want to pursue anything is anything that it is in life that you want to pursue, you have to be positive. You have to realize that it's not, you know, it's not gold everywhere you go. Like even when you're doing what you want to do and you've worked so hard to get where you're at, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have that feeling you thought you would had when you achieved it. So the mindset of being able to say something bad happens and I'm going to be, I'm going to have humor about it and I'm going to take it as a challenge Mm-hmm. Um, it, it actually brought out the only, the only person I'm really competitive with in my life at all is, is with myself. Right. And that gave me an option to say like, okay, your, your crutch was a single pedal playing and a lot of bass drum phrasing. And now that's gone and it's really? gone for a while. You know, like at that time it was going to be three months until I could really even put my right leg on a pedal and allow it to move on the pedal. Hmm. I couldn't put any weight on it. I couldn't walk on it. I had to be in crutches the entire time. So Jeez. when I sat down and played, I had to stack up pillows and cases so I could have my foot elevated. And then I'd play with my leg elevated in a cast and then play <laughs> with my other three limbs. So talk about, we were talking about that a little bit off the air too. Like, so you, this happens, right? You're saying, okay, I've broken my, my tibia, my fibia, my right leg, right? Dominant your dominant leg. And then now you got to figure out how you're going to one, how you're going to use this to help your career, not hurt it. And then two, how is it going to, you know, how are you going to actually tactically like figure this out? So what you you said, you mentioned that you would set up two different kits. Yeah. It was a, a couple of days after surgery when I was feeling, feeling pretty good. And I wasn't in like an incredible amount of pain. And this is the other tricky thing. Mind you, I live, um, in an upstairs apartment, 
so I have, what is it? 20, 20, no, maybe less, probably 17 stairs or something to go up and go down yeah. every day, which I have to do on my butt, pushing up with my left leg all the way up the stairs, <laughs> wearing a backpack with all the things that I need for the day and carrying my crutches up. And that's how I got down the stairs. So anytime I want to leave my apartment, that's how I had to get down. Ugh. Okay. Can't drive a car. You can't ride a bike. You can't walk. Right. Couldn't do any of that for. How'd you get anywhere? Months. I had to call someone and set up appointments for people to pick me up. And so I'd be like, well, I guess I'm going to go to the, the drum studio today and just sit there for like eight hours. And I would just come here and hang out Man. and get out of the house. And, and that's like sit. a, that's such a helpless feeling too. Oh yeah. Sure, I, where you're like, where you almost feel like you're, you're like burdening people and you're like, and it's, I'm sure it's just a frustrating situation to be in. Well, the best way to explain, especially like in the Pelgrim family and the Pelgrim boys, my, my eldest brother, Nell said it best. Uh, if I was lit on fire and you were standing next to a fire extinguisher, I would just grab the fire extinguisher and blow it out on me. You know, like I wouldn't right. ask for you to do it. Like right. that's just kind of how I am. I don't like to ask for help. Um, I, you know, I, I don't mm -hmm. like to ask for favors. I just like to be independent on my own. And I like to be the person giving help or doing the favors. Right. And I literally had to be like, yo, mama P I'm out of bubbly, <laughs> you know, and toilet paper. And she'd be like, okay, I'll make a run. And then I'd have, you know, hobble down the stairs and get it. And like that. For I a second, I was for a second when you were like, I'm out of bubbly. I was like, Man, you must drink champagne. a lot of champagne. And then oh, I was right? like, oh, like you're <laughs> talking about like, like, like sparkling <laughs> water. Sparkling water. <laughs> but I was yeah, like, no, damn, I was like, Scott's fancy. <laughs> I just drink champagne all day. <laughs> yeah, all day. Mom, yeah. I'm out of the bubbly. <laughs> Ma, give me some bubbly. So yeah. Popping bottles over here. <laughs> I had to schedule appointments, you know, to get rides to places, you know, if I needed uh -huh. food or was out of food, you know, you have to use shift or all these things, you know, it was like everything that I do in my life. Like I play drums, I go for hikes and walks with my dog, you know, like walking, hiking is a huge part of my life. And then drumming, those are like my main things. And I wasn't able to go for hikes, not able to go for walks, can't take right. a drive. Right. So it was like all this stuff of breaking down. Like I think most people would probably lose lose their mind. And I just said, no way. This is going to be a challenge, and you're gonna you're gonna overcome it, and you're gonna come out a better player and hopefully a better person and a bit more humble than you ever have been. Right. <laughs> a lot more humble. I mean, I'm very very humbled now. Actually, you know, looking past it being in uh, October versus uh, where I would have been in February. So um, yeah, after a couple days after surgery. I was able to kind of be able to walk okay with the crushes and the crutches and the pain was was bad but not unbearable. I came to the drum studio and I set up a left-handed drum kit which is really tough to do with one leg and crutches and then I set up like this hybrid <laughs> yeah. I didn't even right think about that it's like oh you got to oh, you got to set up the drums too. <laughs> my 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 best friend and musical partner in crime Kevin Cozell literally was driving me us to the gigs he was loading in my gear for me unloading my gear helping me set up my gear tear down my gear i mean he saved my butt <laughs> luckily wow. i have a guy like him in my life to help me out and uh look after me and he just made fun of me the whole time like you're gonna <laughs> help me so big after this, you know i'm even even going to gigs i'd have to call someone on the gig and be like hey can i ride with you can i give you right. gas money and oh you have to help me load in my gear 
Yeah. Oh, so People talk to, so talk to me about like the 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 practical not practical but like the technical side of this. Like how did you so you set the so tell me how like you're you were practicing every day without using your right foot. Yeah, well, I came to the realization that I still want to be able to have open and closed sounds with the hi-hat. And uh, so the first idea was taking a regular right-handed kit and then setting up the double pedal and then having the the left pedal, of course, close to the hi-hat so I could play the bass drum pedal with my heel and the hi-hat with my toe or the other way around. So mm-hmm. I first started practicing basic beats, you know, uh, like a disco beat, don't got don't got, but getting the open hi hat happening too. So mm-hmm. So I had to start thinking about quarter note and eighth note phrasing, and then eighth note and sixteenth note phrasing, and how that would work with one foot. So I looked at my heel as my right foot, and the toes as my left foot, the hi hat, at the same time. So I started right. working on those open playings. And then I started kind of cracking in through there. I'm like, okay, well now I can play some pocket grooves with just my left foot now, taking care what of. What did the you base. have? Like a I would had. you would you have a slave pedal and then? Yeah, I was using yeah. the. Uh, I mess with a lot of stuff because I have. Um, I had the DW nine thousand, had the nine thousand cable hat, which really helped because uh, you could get everything in super close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Uh, I used a little bit with the 6,000 setup because there was a way that I could slip a leg through that kept the, the pedals locked together closer because I was moving back so much. Yeah. Um, I tried everything, but it basically came down to, um, setting up the left-handed kit. And then this, uh, what I'm talking about now is kind of the open-handed righty kit. And then, it, so I'd have the hi-hat, um, the, the slate pedal or remote pedal for the bass drum was right there. So I played hi-hat and bass drum with my left foot. And then I added like a Pandero or sometimes a bigger floor tom as like a second bass drum that I could play with my right or left hand. And then I had a closed hi-hat. So then I was able to kind of go in and out of all the parts. And then my right leg was just propped up on pillows. And I was just... <sighs> that's, I think that's the most brutal part. Yeah, I was doing three-hour gigs like that. With my left leg just propped up. Oh. <laughs> and so, like, when you first sit down, though, I mean, it's got to be like, it's got to, does it, did it feel like you'd never played drums before? I had to give myself, like, some personal coaching where I was like, all right, Scott, you're not going to play the way that you were playing. So all right. those things that you want to play, you are just not, not capable yet of doing. You know, not mm-hmm. that you can't get it back. You know, I, I kind of went into it like, what if my leg does, if my right foot doesn't come back, I'm going to need this left foot to kind of compensate and balance out. And then also, well, what happens if I start using my left side more, that could, that could actually be a really good outcome. So mm-hmm. I had to go in and immediately I'd want to start playing all this stuff where I'm really heavy with the single pedal on the right side. And it was like, that's all gone. Right. So like all the regular phrasing, licks, tricks, all that was out the window other than what my hands had. So I had to start from scratch. And I had to start doing all these foot exercises. I started working on heel toe with my foot and like just all this crazy stuff. Like it, it felt I'm like, this is what it's like to learn again. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm literally kind of reteaching myself how to play. Right. And so I just taught myself, like, don't get frustrated. You know you can play meat and potato grooves, and that's what does pay the bills. So that's the most important thing. So focusing on groove again was like really important. Mm-hmm. And I had to go it back. 
So I was like, I'm going to lead with my left hand too while I'm doing it. Might as well. Might as well, right? Might as well. So that's just kind of where I started going. And I ended up starting to have fun. I, I started to get points where I'd have breakthrough and my left foot would start doing things that my right foot was doing or used to do, you know? Mm. And I started to see all this potential, like, man, this could be really cool. Like, imagine when I get my right foot back and I have to start conditioning it again because I have to also recondition all the muscles that mm-hmm. haven't been used in three months, plus the screws and the, the plates and everything. And I had to do physical thera- therapy. So I'm like, now my left foot and left side's getting better. And when my right foot is going to be ready for physical therapy and drum therapy, they can start teaching each other again because my right side still has all the mental um, capabilities of what it can do, um, but doesn't have the physical. And now my left side is starting to get the physical side, but not just the imprint of of what it could do. Mm -hmm. So it was like my right side mentally was teaching my left side to ingrain that feeling while my left side was physically ingraining my right side again. Wow. Yeah. Ended up I mean, being one of the best things that ever happened to me. So how well a couple of things. One, uh so when was the when was the accident? It was I believe uh March eleventh or March thirteenth. Okay. So how so you're now what? Uh seven seven months out of it. Yeah. So, like, what what do you think has been the biggest? What do you think has been been the biggest change in your playing now? Like, how do you play differently now? Because I'm like, you're back to a regular setup, right? Or are you still sort of incorporating both of those both setups now? Well, you know, I'm always moody about my setups and change <laughs> things all the time. Like, now it's just common. People are like, Scott, why can't you just set up a five piece drum kit for once? You know, <laughs> and my reply is like, I just don't understand it. You know, I don't right. understand it anymore. Um, but now, like, um, the way that my left foot works on the hi hat now is way different and way better and stronger, more endurance and cleaner. Um, my right foot is back to, I would say, like, um, 75 to 80%, but mm-hmm. it's actually better, cleaner, faster, and more fluid now than it ever was. Really? Um, why do you think that? Yeah, is? because I had to go through all of the techniques, you know, probably six, seven different techniques that I use with just my foot. And I had to do it at 50 BPM, right. reprogram the movements of my body and how it works, where my weight is, my center of balance. Um, it was like, Going through, it was like getting a tune-up and uh, like you're getting your car completely, you know, detailed and tuned up again and new tires. Like I got to go right. through my whole mechanics and motions with that side. Um, now I will occasionally pull out two bass drums, two different pitched bass drums, you know, like a 16 and an 18 or a 16 and a 22. Right. Uh, occasionally I'm bringing out the uh, double pedal. Now I like double hi-hat stuff. So now it's like whatever I feel, what project I'm working on or what I'm doing or what type of clinic I'm at, I'm like, I'm going to throw this stuff up. And now it's even more fun because I have more confidence with my left side. And now, especially like the three-hour gigs, like corporate gigs and stuff I do, I'm pretty mm-hmm. much playing open-handed the whole time. And occasionally I'll bring the bass drum, the double pedal, and only play the double pedal with my left foot and just give my right foot a break. Huh. So it's like now I, I feel like I'm at the point where I might start playing lefty for all the corporate gigs I do next year because I'm feeling just about as confident as I could be. Not as good, 
or as free as going to the right side, but pretty, pretty darn good, you know? So when you're, if you're playing a left-handed kit, are you playing like true left-handed kit? Yeah, now I can play left-handed kit because I had so much fun playing it that while I was incorporating my right foot, being able to use the bass drum pedal, Mm -hmm. I started incorporating it on the hi-hat pedal too. Right. It's so, so it's... It, and it's such an eye opener, man. Like when you, you know, everyone's like, how do I, how do I get my left hand, you know, my left side working better? I'm like, just set your kit up, set your kit up lefty, try it. And do it. It's like, you're it not is gonna a, like it. it is horrible, <laughs> you know? And it's like a total, like, I mean, it's obviously the total opposite, but it's such like, it just really, really messes with your brain as you know. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's something, it, it will humble you if you think you're great. I mean, I feel like, I mean, there are certain drummers out there, people like Thomas Lang, who could play upside down with legs and hands tied behind his back and still do like seven-way coordination (laughs) and independence, you know? But I feel like you could take a lot of the top drummers out there right now and just throw them on a left-handed kit. And maybe the hand chops might be there, Mm -hmm. you know? But get them to really play like a three-hour gig that way. Yeah. They would have a hard time. Yeah. It's humbling because you're like, okay, so if I'm right dominant, I'm a great drummer. If I'm left dominant... I'm a brand new drummer. Mm-hmm. I'm a beginner drummer. You know, maybe yeah, it opens, And I mean, you can speak to it more than I can because left-handed, I'm not, I'm not, for, I can play open hand a little bit and there's some, you know, I have a little bit of left-hand uh, chops, but like setting up a kit left-handed is not, is not going to work. But, but for you, I'm guessing now that like, it just opens everything up no matter, even if you're playing right-handed, you just have, like I would imagine you just have so many more like sonic options and you hear things differently and feel things differently. And yeah, I mean like now if I use a floor Tom, unless it's like on a corporate gig or something, uh, I put the floor Tom on my left side Mm because it just feels, but it just for some reason makes a lot of sense for me now for it to be there. And now my left hand, because, uh, I like to do a lot of single strokes between, you know, my right leg and my right hand on floors Mm -hmm. and toms, you know, is it, I love doing that, but I had to really push myself to do it all left side. So now when I'm playing a right-handed kit or a right dominant kit, I guess, um, having that floor time on the left, now my left hand gets to always do the singles. So it's like left hand to right foot singles and it just feels better. And now I see it as like a bass drum and it just makes more sense that way. Or I never Hmm. would have done that a long time ago. And now it just makes sense that way. So it like, just open up so many options and like I to be honest by like the end of next year of 2020 going into 2021 I won't be surprised if I'm using some crazy weird much larger uh setup with two or three bass drums right multiple snares with a percussion setup because I started getting into that more and more and now I see how much fun it would be especially for clinics and festivals and like solo performances to Mm -hmm. have this really fun weird eclectic kit and I'd love to be able to be playing the drums and then pull over a throne and you can sit down right next to me and be playing on the same kit with me. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, so. I like it. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't recommend going and breaking limbs, but if you just <laughs> pretended that you did that, um, you know, duct tape your your hand or something and just play mm-hmm. with three limbs, I guarantee you, you're going to get better. And you're also going to be very grateful at where you're at as a drummer. Um, because we tend to beat ourselves up thinking we're not good or we need to get better or this person's faster. And you'd be like, well, you know what? <laughs> the, the, the four 
limbed Scotty is definitely better than the three limbed Scotty. Yeah. So I'm very <laughs> thankful as, as far as I've come at this point in my life. Sure. You know? So well, what do you think is the biggest lesson that you learned from the whole thing? I think really, and it's, it's cliche, but you really have to take life as it comes and it's how you react to a situation that happens to you, you know? Um, and sometimes if something really bad happens to you and you fire back with anger and, and raw emotion and that it's bad, then it can get even worse. Right. Instead you can say, all right, I accepted that this sucks, but right now here in this moment, this is my life. This is my reality. And this is going to be my next three months or six months or a year or maybe longer. And I can choose to be very happy. And right. that's what I chose is, is to be happy and to be humorous about it and to, um, to stay really positive. And mm -hmm. because of this, I, my wife is looking at me through the window right now, <laughs> making fun of me. But um, that's when we actually connected. I'm, I'm married now. <laughs> amazing. Congratulations. Our, like, our first official like, date, date um, I broke myself like a day or two before it. <laughs> and oh, really? Her, hey, I'm not trying to get out of our date, but I'm literally going into surgery. So if you want to hang out, I'm stuck at my apartment. <laughs> and, and we connected that way. So um, you guys yeah. went on your first date in March and you're married now in well, October? Yeah. Yeah. And we have been working together for um, about a year or so. Right. Yeah. Oh, so you knew each other then? Yeah, we knew each yeah. other. And, you know, it was one of those things when you know, you know. Mm -hmm. um, she is also in the music industry and does artist management, social media management. And she's a great photographer. And she's hosting all these uh, music industry uh, session panels now that we're doing every month here at Third Coast. So um, she's really good at all the things I am very terrible at. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those things like uh, even meeting the love of my life and, and you know, now my wife. I was as as weak as I possibly could be. Right. Humbled, asking for help, asking for favors, can't walk, can't drum, can't, you know, go hiking. I couldn't bring water to my bed. I was right. as weak and as humble as I possibly could be. And I have this beautiful woman come in and see me and she falls in love with me that way. So that's that's a very cool thing. You're like, wait till you can see, wait till you see that I can play left-handed too. I actually, yeah, wait till you see that I, yeah, you know, because she didn't even get to actually see me drum in what was kind of my prime really until almost now. Right. Because, right. you know, things are finally coming back with my foot and the range of motion and, and all that. So, yeah, it was like, because of this break, I think I've, maybe not a better or have totally like gone off the rails as a better drummer, but I'm on my way to a much more unique and confident drummer, very happy and humble drummer. And, um, I also had to ask for help and a big mantra that was being said to me before I broke myself is that you can't get what you don't ask for, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying you ask for stuff and it happens, but like if you want something to happen and you need something to happen and you're working towards it, sometimes you have to reach out and ask someone, how do I get this done? How do I make this happen? Right. You know? Could yeah. you refer me for this thing? And you have to have the confidence to do that. And that's how a lot of things get done in life. So breaking myself really kind of put me in, in like my weakest moments. And, and, and you were I, saying that you, that you weren't good at that, right? You weren't good at going terrible. and asking for help and, and saying like, Hey man, how, you know, how can you, uh, how can you, how can I do this thing or get this thing done or, or get selected for this project or something? Yeah. I mean, I never would think to act, to call someone and say, Hey, could you take my dog for a walk, please? Right. Cause I can't, I had to do that. 
Yeah. You know, when mm-hmm. a friend would leave my house, I would be like, could you put my glass of wine by the bedside and my you know, <laughs> water bottle here and my cheese and crackers? So in case I get hungry, I can, you know, eat later because it was it was so difficult moving yeah. around. I had to be careful. And my my strict I mean, my doctors were amazing and they knew what I did for a living. One of them followed me online. So he's like, we're going to get you back and you're going to be even better. And like, That's I promise awesome. you, you're going to be better. You're going to be freaking a bionic drummer. I like next year, you know, I'm like, thank you. But they're like, you literally cannot do these things at all. And they just gave me a long list, you know, and they're like, do not do anything. Do not be active. So the only thing I was allowed to do was come to the drum studio and practice with three limbs and then go back to bed. Yeah. That's it. The the asking, the asking for help thing is, is huge for a lot of people. Uh, And I know that, and I'm the same way. Like, I don't like asking, you know, I I don't like asking anyone for anything ever. Uh, but it does remind me of the quote, if you want to, what is it? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with other people. That's the truth. The safety and numbers, you know, yeah. like it's, it's a big thing that I've learned here being part of third coast recording company and, and like helping start this studio and being on board is that, you know, my whole life I've, I've kind of been a lone wolf where I pursued being a, a clinician and educator, um, a gun for hire freelance musician because I knew I could go out and hustle as much work as I wanted. Um, and if I didn't make ends meet is because of my own fault, my own ethic. But now with, with, with some of the things I've accomplished for my life and career to grow as a musician and to have better content and, and better music out there, it's about having a team. And the last three or four years of being here, we have a killer studio band we have so many amazing artists coming through that I'm drum teching for people. I'm playing percussion for people. I'm helping with some arranging or some co-production stuff. Um, I'll refer certain drummers to do sessions because I think they could do better than me. You know, mm-hmm. if someone calls to do a big band session, I know who I'm going to call for that. Cause that's, that's not my bag. I could fake right. it, but I don't want to waste anybody's time and money so mm-hmm. I can make an extra thousand bucks or something, you know? Right. That's the Um, mark of a true professional too, is to say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. Here, call this girl. She can, she can do this way better than I can. Yep. And that, and that's where it's come down to a lot of this stuff. So, um, I'm doing a lot of double drummer gigs. I just did my double drummer session. First one, uh, yesterday, like a lot of these things have all kind of come in and now we're building this team. Like I have, close to almost three separate short EPs that we have, they're about 70% done. It's because of all these amazing musicians that come through and we sit together and we write or we improvise or, um, you know, and then my buddy Kevin is working. He's got a lot of great music. Joe Sturgill has a ton of music that we're getting ready to release. Like there's two different groups that are right across the hall from me. Like we're all working together. We're writing together. We're sharing shows and bills together. Um, filling in for each other now, like it's we great. have this family of people where it's like it's if a, I need, it almost a feels like like it's a co-op there. It is, it is, it's yeah. crazy. And I am like, I look at it, and I'm like, I'm the weakest link here because this guy not only shreds on keys but plays bass extremely well. Mm. And this guy is a killer engineer and producer and plays guitar and anything that's a stringed instrument. You know, like I see these people that are so good at so many different things that it's like making me up my game. I'm like. Where are my weaknesses or where, where could I really boost my strengths? Um, so being a part of this whole team, like you're saying, like it's what's going to take me and everyone else further is being on, on the same page and trying to help each other, yep. um, support each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Environment, man. 
environment totally you know if you if you're playing with a bunch of people or or you're around a bunch of people who are not that good at musicians or they're negative or whatever it is you know this like they're going to pull you down or you can get around a bunch of people who are supportive and and who are amazing musicians and they're going to they're going to make you rise up yep get around the right people for sure If you're looking for a top-of-the-line snare, then look no farther than the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series. These are designed to combine sound concepts to create unique and personal instruments for the demanding player. They come in three unique variations, and they all have their own unique sound quality to them. You have the Heartbreaker, which is dark and rustic and throaty. You have the Cherry Bomb, which is vintage, controlled, and precise. And then you have the Equinox, which will give you that classic, bright, articulate sound. To learn more about the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series, go to mapexdrums.com. Hey, do yourself a favor and check out Promark's Select Balance Drumsticks. These sticks give players the ability to fine-tune their standard stick model to fit their playing style. Let me give you an example. If you play rock or country or metal, check out the Forward Balance. These are front-weighted and give you enhanced power and speed. If you are playing jazz or funk or gospel, then check out the Rebound Balance. These are rear-weighted and gives you more finesse and more agility. Plus, they're made by Promark, which you know you're going to get a quality product because they control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick. Plus, they're paired by pitch and by weight, so there's zero guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your stick bag. Do yourself a favor. Check them out by going to Promark.com. I know that you have a, a clinic coming up for PASIC and I want to talk about one, how that process works, but then two, how, and I'm sure your answer is going to be a lot different than, than most because you have an injury to deal with, or you had an injury to deal with, but so how does the process work? And then how do you start to prepare for something like that? How does the process work to being accepted to, as a presenter, right. like yeah. the road to, to PASIC? Cause it's interesting. Cause like PASIC ends in November and like for the following year, it closes like in December, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was honestly, this is the road for me. Um, when I was 17, I went to PASIC for my first time and I had my mind blown. I was like, I, totally I think I was 18 or 19, but yeah, same deal. And I, I already knew that I wanted to be a professional musician and I was at that time, like my mentor, Jerico Watson was doing clinics and he's a killer educator. And I was getting hip to Dom Famularo and like seeing that you could be a clinician and do workshops and stuff. And then I went to PASIC and just saw people doing it at the highest right. level. And do you know see, who the first person I saw at PASIC was? Who is that? Thomas Lang. No way. My head was, my head just exploded. And I was like, yeah. I was literally like, I don't even, I was like, I don't even know what I just but that's when they just know what that shovel, was. You, shovel you up and put you in the wheelbarrow you know <laughs> yeah. you're like what yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know i went i'm watching drumline competitions and seeing classical percussionist and like um i remember dennis chambers gary willis and i can't remember who else and maybe scott kinsley or something like that we're doing a like a trio gig in a hotel lobby mm-hmm. and i was sitting like 10 feet from Dennis's bass drum. Nice. And I just, it, I just lost my mind. I couldn't walk afterwards, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I, I realized like, Oh, the industry's here too. Like, and I started meeting all the manufacturers and the different companies and 
um, by the end of the session of being there for like four days, I was not only super inspired and knew like this is exactly what I want to be doing for my life, or at least I want this to be like my niche in my life, even if mm -hmm. I have to find other ways to supplement the income. Um, but I was offered a few drum endorsements and it started to open my head of like, well, maybe, maybe there is a potential for me to do this stuff. Right. Now, fa you know, fast forward 20 years, that's been on my bucket list for 20 years to be a presenter and performer at, at PASIC on any level. I was mm -hmm. like, if they give me a, a spot to drum in the closet, I'd do that, <laughs> you know. Um, but then I started asking around because I was seeing a lot of my friends and colleagues are doing it. And I was like, well, is it like a sponsor thing or is it they're reaching out? And no, it, it was as simple as you need to go online and fill out an application and tell them who you are, what you've done, what you're doing and what you would present. Mm -hmm. And then after that, do you have any sponsors? If so, who are they? And then submit the form, you know. Right. And then after that, I said, reached out to my sponsors and just said, hey, FYI, like I did apply for PASIC this year. Don't think I'll get it. But if I do, that'd be great. I'm going to apply again next year if I don't get it. And they said, great, great. And then I totally kind of forgot that I had submitted. And then I got an email um, that was forwarded to me. And it was like, you've been accepted. Sweet. And I like freaked out. I was like jumping up and down like a little kid, like, no way I actually got it. Like, that's crazy. I didn't think I would get it. And, um, I think part of it that helped is, you know, being in the industry. So people at least know your name or your demeanor, your personality. Um, it helps to have sponsors that are on your side, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but it also helps to just make sure you get it done and, and fill everything out, you know, dot your I's, cross your T's so they right. can at least gauge you the best they can because I'm not a big name, you know, and I, I'm not someone who's out playing with John Mayer or Beyonce and I've always had this kind of weird little niche thing. Um, I'm not a mainstream type player. Um, so I was like, I don't, I understand if they don't accept me, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you have, you know, you have your thing, you're well-respected in the industry you know, you know, a lot of people in the industry, I think a lot of it comes down to who, you know, too. Like, obviously if you're not qualified, you're not going to get it, you know, like they're not just going to, even if they know you, they're not going to give you the, they're not going to put you, uh, in basic, but like I, a lot of it is who, you know, and who you have good relationships with. And they're like, Oh yeah. You know, we know Scott, he's been coming to all these events for years. Like he's, you know, he's, he's good for drumming. He's a great drummer himself. Like there's, there's a lot of elements that, that, that I think that a lot of people overlook where they're like, I don't care how good you are of a drummer. If you're just sitting in your basement playing, if you're not out there meeting people and like meeting the manufacturers and, and, you know, hanging out at the, hanging out at the, uh, like at PASIC and NAM and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't think your, your career happens for you. Well, that's it. I mean, the two things you, you said a number of things where I could probably talk for the next 24 hours about, but one, you have to get, a, yeah, I mean, if you want to do this for a living or at least you want to do it as a passion the rest of your life and, and open as many doors as you can, you need to, you need to go to PASIC every year. You need right. to go to NAM every year, whether mm -hmm. you're broke and starving or you have to rack up debt. I know it's bad advice to say that, but you have to meet people because there are committees, there are drum set committees, there are, just like when you apply for a job, if you walk into an interview and a bunch of people know you and they've heard about you, that gives you a leg up, right? you know, because people like to, it, it's just how it works. And, um, I have to give a shout out to Jason Edwards over at ProLogic's pads because 
Um, I did an event with him last year and he just said, Scotty, man, I think you should apply for, for PASIC this year. Mm -hmm. I really think you should. Yeah. He's such a good dude. I love that company. I I love him. Uh, I love everyone over there. They're just good people. They are. And uh, so he's like, I'll call you. So he, he gave me a little pep talk. He's like, I think you should do it and we should come up with a title and him and his wife helped me come up with a title, which is Another shout out is to to all my my people over at Dromeo because they really helped me with the online presence and like the first um, course I did with them I think was like outside of the box drumming mm-hmm. maybe and people really liked that course um, and Jason and his wife said well let's let's kick around some things and his wife was like what about beyond the box drumming I'm like that's actually pretty cool. Because I can use all these topics with my beyond the box drumming, but the beyond the box is like, well, one, drumming is your box, you know, and that's not your only thing. Like being a good person, working hard, learning to accept and dealing with defeat and failure, Mm -hmm. waking up in the morning, even if you are crabby and finding a way to make it a good day, that's part of the beyond the box drumming, you know. Um, you representing yourself and how you represent yourself online and on the street is beyond the box drumming. Mm-hmm. You know, you looking into becoming a producer, engineer, or playing another instrument or playing percussion instead of drum kit is part of the beyond the box thing. But it's also the mental side of things because you can get bummed out, man, because someone who hasn't done anything other than being, let's say, I shouldn't say anything, but like, Maybe someone who's never really played gigs, who's never really taken former lessons and they're in their basement, but they crush at recording themselves and making video, can put out content every day and get discovered and get like 400,000 followers. Right. And you're like, man, right. I've been <laughs> working so hard. Like, what is going on? You know, and like all their drums are programmed and everything's edited and there's like the drums are replaced and people are like, man, this is so incredible. So it's like there's that, that veil there. So the whole beyond the box drumming is, is is really trying to look at like what are you seeing online and being able to break down how that person really plays if they were just playing to an iPhone. Um, looking at what some people are doing and seeing have they done stuff with their career just so you don't hurt yourself or feel bad about their success or their popularity. Mm-hmm. And then Especially it comes because down- social media is a highlight reel anyway. So. It is. It's always like, oh, here's the best moment or here's my <laughs> right. 79th take of this song I've been working on forever. And by the by the way, you know, there's about ten thousand dollars worth of plugins and preamps. And, you know, right. I paid someone a thousand bucks to make this video and it's all edited. And that's yep. why it's so good. Like, here's the 12 seconds that I actually played this groove well. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like it's making people be aware of that just so they can do the right studying you know, and to find uh, the right path of certain styles of drumming and history, mm-hmm. just to be aware of how that's being done. And for me, the one thing I'm really pushing is the human ele- element. That's why I always like hashtag like raw organic, not because I'm like a, a total hippie, but it's to be like, we're human and we make mistakes and not everything's perfect. And we can be as creative, if not more creative than, you know, a computer. Like right. we have something to say. Like mm-hmm. there are drummers that are nine years old that play faster than I'll ever play, but they haven't lived the extra, you know, 20, 30 years that I have to actually have a story to tell. Yep. That's yep. why drummers, when they're in their sixties or seventies still play so beautifully with even more passion and more emotion. 
because mm-hmm. they have so much to say. They have so much to play for. And we're forgetting that with the, you know, that's why I'm talking beyond the box. It's like, we got to have emotion. We have to have art. We have to have passion. You got to play from love. You got to play from the struggles of hate. And you got to play from, from all of those places and learn how to harness and condition those modes with your technique. Yep. And um, I want people to realize that, that uh, we're all on a different journey as players and how we develop. And social media is great, but it also is a veil of, of not showing the person falling on their face just before they did the video, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's tough to get, I think it's tough to get out of, to get out of that mindset and to remember that when you're looking, when you're looking at social media, you're looking at, even if you're looking at someone else's career, right? Even if they just put a post up, like even if, if prime example, like if you put something up and, and it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll be at PASIC, I'm performing at PASIC. And, and I think it's hard for us to get out of the mindset of one of comparing ourselves to others and then two uh looking at at the highlight reel and not sort of getting jealous or envious i think that's a that's a human thing right uh do you like do you have advice for for getting out of that or just or just constantly like reminding people to check themselves to like hey this is this is social media this isn't like this isn't what they do all day every day you know they're not, they yeah. don't just sit around and play drums all day or whatever people think people do. Well, I mean, I think it kind of goes back just to some of the old school stuff, but like, okay, when I was a teenager and in my early twenties, I definitely had much more of an ego and being more arrogant because I had to like convince myself that I was good enough, you know? Right. So you kind of develop like this, this personality trait of like being competitive and like you see someone and you're like, oh, I, I could play better. I could play faster, you know? But at that time, you're not realizing this drummer is absolutely mind-blowing, but they're playing on a cajon because they're hired by a singer-songwriter to play a cajon. So that is right. their job and their purpose. But then you go see that drummer the next night, and this, this is like what, when I was living in Portland, Oregon, this happened. Then the next night, I saw that same drummer driving a salsa band, absolutely crushing it. Right. And, and then that's like, when oh, the light I was like, okay, I get it. Right. And what started happening, though, is that I started be, being friends with those drummers and those musicians. And then when I started seeing them succeed, I'm like, you know, I'm in good company and there's a good chance that I can also succeed. So when right. I started seeing my friends online getting a, a, a big endorsement or they're going on this big tour or this video went viral for them, I'm like, that is great because they deserve it. They're good people and they're working hard. And we're all we're all friends and we're all kind of in the same network. So if they're successful... I'm surrounding myself with people who are successful, you know, right. just like right. you're saying with be around better musicians to be a better musician. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's one of those things you have to cope with. Like some timelines just move faster for certain people, or you have to look at their outlier on where they are in their life, where they come from, what city they're at, the type of money they come from behind. Are they from a family of musicians, artists, entertainers? Are they homeschooled? You know, right. There's right. a lot of things that can move a career faster for people. For sure. I had a, I had a conversation with, um, with a, I have another podcast and I had a, I had a conversation with a writer named Jeff Goins and he was saying that I think a lot of times we look at someone else's success and we'll see that they got a tour or they're, you know, they have more followers and we look at it and think that they got lucky or that this happened or that happened. And what, uh, and what it really is, is us, us making an excuse to not want to do the work. Yeah. You know, totally, 
Totally. I mean, if anything isn't happening for you right now, I mean, it's not like the world's against you. There might be some odds, but you have to put in the work. And I'm a creative mind. I love to stay up and think. I always tell people I'm happy staring at a blank wall because I'm constantly entertained up here, you know, right. in, in my brain. I love to sit up there in my thoughts and think about stuff. And sometimes you get an idea and you're like, oh, this would be great. And I bet you it's going to do this and that. But it's like, well, maybe you need to do a lot of those things. And then over a period of time, it starts to catch on. And something you think that might happen in three months might take three years. Right. You know, like yep. none of this stuff happens overnight. And sometimes it does. But usually that happens because someone has been working so damn hard that it finally broke for them and they are ready. And that's why it launched right. for them, you know. And, and a lot of times, like, sure, there are overnight successes, right? It happens. There's... Yep. Little Nas X or somebody like they just show up and not to show up, but like one day they're nobody, the next day they're some. But those are the point zero 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 one percent. And if you want to sit around and bank on that happening, good luck. Or yeah. you can like put your head down and work for the next ten years and and put your head up. And I remember I mentioned that that interview with Stanton Moore when I didn't record it when I didn't record it. But one of the things he said that was very wise. He said that everyone asked him advice about how the, how he took their band and grew it, you know, how they grew Galactic from nothing to like this full, this big touring band. And he was like, get a van, put a band together, get in a van and drive around the country for the next 10 years and let me know where you end up in 10 years. Yeah. And he was like, and you'll probably end up where we ended up. You know, he's like, yep. just, it's just the work. It's just put in the work for 10, 12, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And it's with stuff like that too. You just have to take into consideration, like, again, saying like, if you're surrounding yourself with, with great musicians and great people and you do get into that van and drive around the country, then you have really good odds, right. you know, of, of finally overcoming, but you have to have belief in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And my, my, the way that things just work for me is that every time I worked with groups, there'd always be drama or this person wanted that. So I'm like, man, if I just like promote myself and book myself as like a higher gun, I'm going to be busy. Right. And if something yep. isn't working out, I have other things to do. So that was the avenue I took, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's really interesting when you, when you say that, but I know a lot of groups where they did that 10 years and just as time was getting ready to blow, they were just like, we're done. Right. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. We're exhausted. We're tired of being on couches or we're tired of headlining the show and getting paid like 10 grand and then going to this one place and, and not getting paid for the gig, you know, yep. like that stuff can happen. But for sure, now there are better resources too. like L, my wife, like we're doing all these courses of like money management, you know, uh, social media management, just business management, you know, like people need to really look at it. Like this isn't just some crazy dream and like, like you said, like a lot of us aren't going to become rock stars and rich and famous, but you can carve out a really good career just like you're starting a pizza shop or a microbrewery yep. as a musician. You just need to funnel in where the money's going to come in, where more money is coming in, and especially if it's making you happy, you really focus on that area. But you also have to try these other avenues of writing and freelance and starting projects and maybe come up with a signature, signature product or run a podcast or something, right? right? That <laughs> yeah. starts funneling in your life and your don't career. Start a, don't start a podcast. No, <laughs> don't, you don't I'm need not. to start. No, I'm just I'm kidding. not. I definitely I don't. Think, honestly, it. man, I think everyone should have a podcast. That's a whole other topic, but like, I really do. Like, I think it's, I don't think it's any different than like everyone should have, so, have social media or, or put out content because I think that people want to hear from, from people. So 
Uh, I do say that. I think people will be astonished to hear me say that, that I'm like, yeah, go ahead, start a drumming podcast. Yeah. But like, I think, you know, I think everyone should have a podcast. Who um, knows? Maybe I will. I'll, I'll call people up and have them drink wine and we'll talk about foraging and fishing and dogs and perfect drummers. Perfect. What's your call point? me up. We'll, I'll just talk about, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll I'll talk, talk about, about the wine. That. I'll talk about the wine. <laughs> um, the, the other thing too is, is a lot of times you get the pushback where, People are like, I just want to play drums, man. I'm not a business guy. Like, I just want to do... It's like, okay, well then fine. Find someone who understands business and have yeah. them help you. If you yeah. don't want to think about it, you don't want to talk about it, you want nothing to do with it, it doesn't interest you, you hate it, fine. Find someone else. That's why artists have managers, right? And maybe yeah. it's not even a manager. It's just like, hey, I know a friend of mine is is decent with business. Maybe Maybe she can help me, you know, an hour a week, just kind of like get my shit together. You can build a team, you know, but I, I do think like, it's funny for me, like if I just focus on business, I do a fairly good job. Not great. Not great. Just for me, fairly good job. Okay. But I have a lot of weaknesses and a lot of, a lot of like black holes of things that I'm not great at, but I had to really push myself like these last 20 years to get to the point of like, it makes sense now to have management, to, to have a booking agent, to have a really good accountant to like, because I know now what I don't want to do. I know what I don't want to work for. Right. Um, I have a really much better vision of what I'm trying to do and accomplish. So it helps to have a team. But you can build a team. I mean, a lot of great bands, even look what Fish has done yeah. with their life and building their team. And you can build that. I mean, man, someone who's a realtor could be a badass booking agent or yeah. business manager for you. Yep. You know, Or you get to a point where you start building a team and you're like, hey, I think we're building a booking company we're right. building a booking agency let's bring in a couple other artists we know and all of a sudden now you have a booking agency dude that's you say that that's literally exactly what happened to me in college i was booking my band people were like how did you get all these gigs and i was like uh i just booked them they're like can you do that for us i was like sure next thing i know i'm like hmm i own a booking agency <laughs> and it like right? it just happens yeah i mean and there's plenty of there's plenty of uh businesses and opportunities that come out of that sort of thing where you're like, yeah, I just, someone else asked, or you ask someone to help. Like prime example, uh, red light management, the biggest management company in the world started with a guy named Corin Capshaw owned a bar. And there was a band that used to play at the bar or there was a bartender who used to work at the bar. His name was Dave Matthews. He started a band who started playing at this bar. Corin was like, Hey, you guys are pretty good. I should manage you. And now he owns Red Light Management, which is the biggest management company in the world. That's a, sometimes you just don't know. <laughs> right. You know, right. That's, a, that's, like, that's like that weird 1% too, where like you could do something and not even think about it. Like there's an artist too that I'm actually excited. I can't say much about it, but I, I just did this record for this artist. Never had heard of this artist. Couldn't pronounce their name. And when I went into the studio, I was like, man, I should look this person up. And I look him up and I'm like, 20 million streams, 17 million streams, 5 million streams, 6 million streams. I'm like, who is this person and how do they have this presence on Spotify? What are they doing? Right. And it's like, I'm not jinxing myself, but like sometimes you come across artists or things like that. And a year from now, I could be on a record that was nominated for a Grammy. Right. But I didn't even think about it or know that could happen or like I did the session work and then forgot about it. And then you could get a letter in the mail, you know? Yep. Like sometimes you do this stuff and you don't realize that it actually could be like an end result or a really huge thing for you. Like me breaking myself really turned me around as a person 
You know, I'm in love. I'm married. I have a step toddler, as I like right. to say, Quinn, working on, on buying a house and building a home studio exclusively for um, video lessons and mm -hmm. streaming. You know, um, I've become a better player with my left lead. I'm now open to a lot more stuff as a drummer, which I thought I already was pretty open-minded. But that one break literally changed how I look and it opened up all these doors. And then so many people were writing out to me being like, I'm really, I'm, thank you for sharing your journey that you are human <laughs> right. and that you broke yourself and you're still talking and you're still playing, you're still traveling, you're not giving up and you're moving on. And that, I had a lot of people write me and I'm like, that was like, that ended up being a thing for this year. Mm hmm you know, yeah. and I didn't see that a couple of days before it had happened. I was just like, yeah, I'm doing this session with this awesome producer and <laughs> right. that's good. And I'm going to go for a hike and boom, it changed my whole course and, and I mean, path people, this year. And people, people want transparency. They want honesty. Like they don't want like the, they don't want the, the highlight reel Hollywood version of Scott. Right. They just want, right. they just want you and, and whatever and i think that's the hardest thing for us to to realize as, especially as artists and people who put things out there into the world that as cheesy as it sounds like you're enough you know like you can just be human and do your thing and people will respond to it and and people will support you and appreciate it and like the for every one person that is like you're an idiot because you wear sandals there's you know there's hundreds of thousands of other people that are like this is amazing keep going and are supportive you know and it's like for the one for the one keyboard bully it's like whatever yeah it's, yeah that's you what know. you know that that stuff i don't sweat i joke and like there's other other guys i love uh not to name drop but uh i finally got to do some stuff with rich redmond last year and just love the dude had so much fun with him and like I think we we're he was getting ready to play and he's like, Look at what this guy just said about this thing, you know, and he replies back, Thank you so much. You know, yeah. <laughs> appreciate your positive like you can start having fun with it, you know, yeah. or it's like, whatever, you're cranky, you know, right. you're in your basement upset, whatever. It's cool. But that's also part of art. You know, there yeah. are people that love one drummer and then there are people who say, No, that drummer's not great. I mean, that's art. It's subjective, it, it's expression. That's what it is. So Agreed. you're going into an industry where you're going to be ridiculed and, <laughs> you know, judged yeah. yep. for what you do for a living, for how you look, for what you're doing, for how you play, for how you look. Like you're there online, you're there. Mm -hmm. So you got to have the thick skin and just brush it off. Like I don't even look at that stuff really anymore unless something comes to my attention and then um, I'll send someone some a bunch of heart emojis or something. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, most it. of the time people just want, you know. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get, I don't get involved with all that. Um, but, but I, I am so, I mean, you and I uh, know each other personally and like, it's been, it's been great to see this evolution happen and I'm so happy for you. Like, obviously it was a, it was a bad break, no pun intended. Uh, but I, I love how you were, you're like a phoenix, like rising out of the ashes, you know, and, and I think that you've, you've turned this thing into something not only positive, right? It's easy to put just like a positive spin on it and say, oh yeah, everything's going to be okay. But not only did you, did you make it a positive thing, you actually grew from it and turned it into something that is, that is completely new for you. And it's not just the positive attitude behind it. It's actually making progress 
uh, and it made you a better drummer. And I think that it it made you a better human too. Not that I thought you were a bad human before, but but I feel like you uh, you really took this thing and and made it something amazing. So I commend you for that, and I think that a lot of people can learn from that as well. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's, it's one of those things because I'm sitting here now thinking because I remember. Two two days before that happened, I went in and cut five tracks for a new EP, uh, working with Justin Abdeck on bass, um, Dutcher Seneca on keys, and Kevin Cozell engineering, producing, and doing guitar. And we like banged in all these ideas, and we're writing from the drums up, so everything mm-hmm. else was scratch. And we were so amped, and we're like, "Oh, I can't wait to just get this done." And then I went in, did the session uh, for the producer, and then broke myself. And then it was like. Okay, <laughs> well, that free time that we had to finish all this stuff is done. So now I have to wait until about now I can start working on all this stuff. So it put back me finishing a book, a bunch of online stuff that I was going to release, um, a bunch of music I was going to release. But it actually ended up being better because now I feel like I even have more to say and more right. that I'm thankful for and grateful for. And it's kind of funny listening to tracks being like, that was not Bionic, Scotty. You know, that was Scotty who didn't break himself and now here's new music. So I'm kind of excited to release an EP before I broke myself to, to where I'm at now. Um, so yeah, I'm just really trying to, to, uh, savor those moments and get as much done as I can and, uh, you know, enjoy the family life as well. So that's good to hear, man. I'm happy for you. I really am. And for everyone listening, go to PASIC not only to see Scott's clinic, but also to, to get to know some people in the industry, get your, you know, get your name out there, start shaking hands and meeting people and, and, and attending the events and all that kind of stuff. If this is the industry that you want to be in, like Scott said, whether, whether it's for a hobby or whether it's for a professional or, you know, doing it as a career, you got to know the, you got to know the people in the industry and you got to make friends in the industry. So do that. And Scott, again, uh, Thank you for one, for your time, you know, for, for being on the podcast again, but also like, thank you for keeping that positive energy out there in the community and, and congratulations on the success that you've had in the way that you've been over, been able to turn this seemingly bad event into something really positive and amazing, man. I commend you for that. Oh, Hey, thank you. I'm just, um, I'm honored and humbled that, uh, you gave me the call. I really appreciate your support and I really love what you are doing for the drumming community around the world. Thank you. Uh, it's really important and it's, it's good to stay positive and, su- and to support each other, you know? For sure. For sure. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, man. I can't wait till we get to hang out again. We shall soon. <laughs> we shall do that soon. I can't wait to see you. Thanks again, brother. Yeah, thank you. There you have it, my man, Scotty Pellegrom. You can check him out by going to scottpellegrom.com. You can find the show notes at drummersresource.com forward slash session 522. If you're going to PASIC, which I think that you should, if you're going to PASIC, be sure to check out his clinic there as well. And that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. 